This episode is chock-a-block full of charm. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. So today is a little weird because I'm an entrepreneur. I love being an entrepreneur. I teach fellow entrepreneurs, meaning I have online courses at hillaryrushford.com slash free where I can help you grow your business. And right now I actually have two free classes happening just this month in June at hillaryrushford.com slash free. And today I'm going to tell you why you should not be an entrepreneur and start a business, which if you aren't an entrepreneur in this culture that makes us feel like we all should be, I think could be a pretty refreshing conversation. Honestly, I would love for someone else to do a podcast for me as a listener on why you should not have children, because we're on the fence, and I'd kind of love to hear from someone who adores being a parent and is like, yeah, here's all the worst parts and misconceptions people don't share because you don't want to be a downer or complain. You just want to focus on how much you love the human baby or the business baby. But I feel like this is the entrepreneurial birth control someone needs today. So you and your business ovaries, you're welcome in advance. Or maybe it's the validation and security that your decision not to become an entrepreneur, your love of having another career or being a full-time mom or having your hobby just stay a hobby without needing to monetize it is wonderful. So today I want to share seven myths of the idolized and idealized perfect girl boss or guy boss. This is technically totally gender neutral. And when I've taught on this topic previously, the people who were most obsessed with it were people who, like me, are called to be entrepreneurs, but have been feeling so much secret shame around it not looking or feeling like they thought it would or is supposed to. Myth number one is if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I've said this before, and I'm saying it again, though for the first time here on this podcast, because of how many replies of relief I got when I first said it a couple years ago on Instagram Live. So many people wrote me, because I was working so hard, I thought maybe there was something wrong with me. No, there is something wrong with that false idea. For years, I worked 24-7, nights, weekends, focused, fiercely fighting to keep the ship afloat, the plane from going down. I would imagine it's being like a mom. It is work. But you love the creation so much that it also brings you so much joy. But work is work. You can love your work. You can loathe your work. But unlike being on vacation, work has deadlines, responsibilities. It has parts you don't like but need to do in order to get to the parts you like and love. I love what I do, and my week would look so different if I wasn't working. I would sleep in, read books, watch documentaries, go on coffee dates, vintage shopping, fly to the beach. But people who are unemployed, sick, disabled, elderly, sociology and studies tell us they aren't happier, that we enjoy purpose. And I believe that for myself, that if I took a forever holiday, if I was independently wealthy, eventually I would want to write things that other people will read to teach, help, inspire, educate, create everything I do in my work. 
I just also have to do it on deadlines and with some spreadsheets and data and accountability that makes it clear it is work. So find work you would do for free and know that when you get paid to do it, it will also require other work you don't want to do. And you will do it anyway because you care about the work and because you don't want to end up homeless and are not independently wealthy. (laughs) Myth number two, cute notebooks. I'm going to get some of my paper planner people up in arms here, but I'm going to somewhat cheekily declare that a true girl boss uses a computer, not colored pens. Sure, there are times when I'm in creative mode. I have color-coordinated post-its all over my office from my first bout of writing my style book. There's a room I love in my office building because the walls are floor-to-ceiling whiteboards. Oh my gosh, guys, it's the best for like brainstorming in there. I doodle during meetings because writing makes me happy. But if I write notes on paper, I can't share them with my team. If I put my to-dos in a notebook or a planner, My assistant and business manager can't see what's on my plate to raise the red flag when it's too much or delegate or add extra notes to it. If I use a beautiful calendar or day planner, my team can't coordinate around my meetings or schedule one for me or shift it for me when things change, which they invariably do. I've created a planner for the members of my new Elegant Excellence Mastermind that's coming up, and I've thought a lot about this. I've created it from the system that I've used for myself over the years. But I also looked around to see what was out there because I'm always seeking and learning to try new things. And I was so confused at what some of what exists for sale in this space. One small example. I saw a printable download of your social media posts. So you're handwriting out what your caption is going to be. You're handwriting out which hashtags you're going to use which makes no sense because you then have to go and retype all of that onto your phone. That should be a spreadsheet you are buying from that person, which isn't as pretty and doesn't feel as creative and is not going to look cool on Instagram. But I'm here to help real businesses grow, not aspiring entrepreneurs play business like kids playing house. So in addition to creating a tangible journal for our members, I'm also looking at what online spreadsheets and templates I can create for our students and our audience to genuinely do business in a more efficient and streamlined way. I have way less rifle paper products than the average entrepreneurial Instagram feed would promise me. And the more I focus on systematizing my business instead, the happier and less stressed I've become. This is a great example of the divide between the vision and the reality. Because running a business means using technology 90% of the time and pretty creative office decor, mostly just as the decor around you to inspire you and remind you how blessed you are to get to live this life. Myth number three is the joy of working from home. This could also be the joy of being your own boss or controlling your own schedule. Anything you think sounds like the dream, but you haven't actually tried it for yourself yet. But let's use working from home as one example. For some people, this really does work. All of our members on Team Dean are virtual and located in different states, in different countries, all over the world. So of my core team, which is nine of us, two of the members of my team have a dedicated home office and others work from the kitchen table or the couch, and that works for them. 
For me, it works maybe 10% of the time. On rare occasions, I love the rush of working from bed, getting to stay in when there's a snowstorm or it's pouring rain outside or I'm not feeling super well. Or if I'm on meetings, if I'm really having a scheduled day where I have that accountability, then it's fine to be working from home because I really stay in that zone. But overall, my energy is much different when I leave the house. We did most of our wedding planning from my office. I just knew energetically I would get more done. So on Saturdays, we would take brunch to my office and work from there because that is my productive place. I also love the energy of working from a coffee shop, but for me, it's not an all-day thing. I don't like being high maintenance, needing to find a plug. So I only work from there for a few hours in the morning while my laptop has battery. And I genuinely like being alone. I want a little office that I can close the door to. But for a lot of people that I know, they realize how lonely they are suddenly when they're working at home alone. They want to be out in a co-working office space. They want to be at the coffee shop. They want to be having that community and that connection. I didn't know until I started working for myself, I'm actually a totally introverted worker and I can be locked in a little tiny office by myself all day, happy as a clam. But I had to try it to figure that out. You might actually enjoy having a separate space, a commute, being out of the house when the kids are in the other room, which is the case for one of the guys on my team who has a separate office that he gets in the car and drives to to avoid the interruption of the cute three little pairs of feet that are at home. But remember that what brings other people joy might not for you. And what sounds lovely, like never having to put on real clothes to leave the house, could leave you feeling blah and demotivated once the novelty wears off and you realize actually being in my pajamas all day every day is not making me feel successful. It's not making me feel the way that I thought that it would now that I've done it for weeks and months on end. Years ago when I had roommates, two different times I had a roommate and a dear friend who worked from home for the first time, and discovered they were miserable. Whether it was that they decided to start freelancing or they took a new position of a company that was remote, and it just did not make them happy. They didn't feel successful or energized or focused, and they quickly made shifts in their career or made sure that that company was paying for an office space for them. So thankfully, in my case, I had observed that and knew it wasn't the dream reality for everyone. Also, one of my friends works from home, and if you saw my uh, Instagram story from that morning when Jeremy scared me, <laughs> if you follow my IG stories, you uh, will know what what I mean. But he, like, spooked me, and this happens all the time, and he always is like, I don't understand why I scare you. I live here. You know that I live here. And so I said, does this ever happen to you guys? And, like, 70% of you said, yes, my you know partner, my roommate, whatever, scares me. And one of my friends, his wife replied, I wish but he is always here (laughs) with an emoji of like rolling her eyes like I can never get a moment away from my husband. I wish that he would scare me, but I know he's always here. So you think you'd be happier being around your kids all day, but would you being around your spouse all day? How about your kids and your spouse? Would it actually be the best thing for all of your relationships to be working at home? So ask good questions. Think through the reality of situations to make sure you're not putting something on a pedestal or watching someone who has a different personality or different desires where something that brings them joy won't for you. If you actually are a much more extroverted person and need that interaction, 
Don't don't try to be like me having a fully remote team and working from a tiny little office. If you are an introvert, great. You might want to follow my footsteps because it personally makes me really happy. But then explore, play, test, and find what works for you. Myth number four, everyone is doing this. No, they are not. <laughs> There's something in our brain called the RAS, our reticular activation system. It picks up on things that you've noticed and it keeps noticing them. You get a corgi dog and you start seeing more corgis everywhere. You want a baby and you notice every carriage or every pregnancy post on Instagram. Your mom gets breast cancer and suddenly it seems like so many people you know have cancer. My best friends are school teachers in finance, doing PR for big brands, event planners for professional sports, work at major publishers, teach at university, work for the government, an actor, a nurse, a real estate agent. The only dear friends I have who are fellow entrepreneurs are because I really sought them out. But it is not the majority of the people that I am naturally surrounded by, even though it might look like it on your social media feed. A disproportional amount of the people you follow on Instagram are likely working for themselves. And because they have a reason to grow an Instagram following, they're creating content for you. Or a large number of people featured in articles that you're reading may be entrepreneurs because they have a story or expertise to share. But if it's not for you, maybe you just need to seek out more examples of people doing what you are called to do and realizing that the people who are coming in front of you, that's because they have a platform, because they're growing a following, because they're creating content for you. But it doesn't mean that it is everyone who is surrounding you. And remember, too, that a lot of entrepreneurs are out on social media and in the world to bring inspiration. So they're also not trying to make their lives seem awesome and amazing. They're working hard to curate beautiful content for you, lovely things, snippets of education and encouragement. Uh, If you're an entrepreneur, this is what I teach in my Instagram with intention and social stories class duo. So enjoy that content as a reader without feeling the need to also create it or think that it is painting this perfect picture if it isn't the life that you truly want long term. Myth number five is not only is everyone doing it, they're making more money than me doing it. They're probably not. Quick lesson in business finances. When I quit my job making $35,000 a year here in New York City, where the cost of living is way higher than other places, so if you make $35,000 a year and live in Ohio, imagine that I was making much less than that comparably to live in New York. So when I was making $35,000 a year in my soul-sucking, place-where-dreams-go-to-die payroll department of a real estate company right before I launched Dean Street Society— I just wanted to make $50,000 working for myself. I thought if I could make $50,000 a year working for myself, I would feel like the queen of the world. And that was all the money that I would ever need to succeed and thrive, even in a really expensive city like New York City. Three years later, I did make that salary. I did pay myself $50,000, but that was having built a company which made $200,000 that year. $200,000 was our revenue, and only 25% of that was our actual profit, a.k.a. my salary. Now, of course, everyone's business is different, and I didn't really know what I was doing. I may have been making financial errors. I probably was. But 
There was a 2018 study by American Express that blew me away. If you want to Google it, it's called The State of Women-Owned Businesses. And they report that only 1.7% of women-owned businesses generated over a million dollars in revenue in 2018. Y'all, the reason that I know what you're seeing is skewed is because what I am seeing is skewed. I couldn't believe that statistic. I know multiple entrepreneurs who, like us at Dean Street Society, are making more than a million dollars in revenue a year. We are all less than 2%. How can it be that I know so many of them? Well, I think that's because they're the ones that have the eyes, the buzz, because they're successful. We are colleagues and collaborators because we are running in the same circle and at the same level. Now, listen, if you are an entrepreneur and you want to be making more revenue and more profit, because, again, making a million dollars in revenue is not the same thing as making a million dollars in salary, not even close— Come apply to be in the Elegant Excellence Mastermind. I created this so that I could give more access to myself and the different experts and partners in my business and the action and accountability to focus on what matters most to move the needle and share the things that took my business from a revenue of 200000 to $1.2 million in one year, to double that in one year, to double again, et cetera. It is possible to make good money in entrepreneurship, but it's not the norm. Which means if you want it to be you, you need to learn how to do it. Or release the idea that there's all this easy, low-hanging money fruit out there just waiting for you to grasp. And making $50,000 working for yourself is amazing. I was right. And if my business model and goals had been different, I could have stayed at that level and been so much happier than working at a miserable desk job, even if I had been getting paid more. But... Running a business is not the Disneyland fast pass to wealth. That's rare, though I am determined to help more than just 2% of my own students get there. Myth number six is one fill-in-the-blank will change everything. There has never been one day, one idea, one decision, one opportunity that has changed everything for me. Even when really big shifts happened in my business, it was built upon smaller things. When I brought on my business partners, that happened because I'd done so much work on myself as far as healing my anxiety, and I had already built a strong brand with great content and had a solid team they could build upon. When my Instagram with intention course took off, it was something I had been building for years because I'd already been authentically growing my Instagram for years and just showing people how. I've had friends that thought a podcast or just one online course, speaking at an event, getting press with a certain person, one giveaway with a big brand, et cetera, et cetera, would change everything. And I thought so too. When I was asked to be the style director of a new site, this was years ago, it had a famous blogger at the helm, uh, when I was in my first national magazine, when I was featured as a success story by one of my mentors, when I was cast as a style host on a show for Hearst Media. Um, that nightmare is a whole other podcast. But each one was a blessing, but they didn't change everything. And in each instance, I thought, OMG, this is going to be the thing that changes everything. And it never was. What changed everything is I worked hard. 
And I kept working hard instead of praying for, waiting for, expecting, hoping for overnight success. I stayed the course. I kept building my one business instead of trying to run three, chasing all the things, be all things for all people. And eventually, way slower than I wanted, without any overnight growth moment that would have been so amazing, I got here. So if you feel bummed or gutted because something you really thought would change everything didn't, just know you're not alone. It never has for me either. Be grateful for what it did do and keep going. And finally, myth number seven, I could, therefore I should, and should be ashamed if I'm not. My sister loved making jewelry. She dabbled in an Etsy shop years ago before she had kids, but To turn that into a true business, a website, marketing plan, email list, social media, fulfillment, customer service, advertising, networking, would have been a whole other thing than doing it when she felt like it. Making gifts for friends and family, having a creative outlet whenever she felt inspired. So yes, you're a good cook, but trying to be a full-time food blogger is a whole different thing. Would you love cooking as much if you had to do it, had to make a recipe on a deadline within the parameters of a weird brand that you don't really love, but you needed the money, do it even when you're sick, when you overcommitted and you took on too many deadlines because you really felt like you needed the money and you didn't want to turn down the opportunities? You could make money, but it will also cost you a ton of time and money to get there. So... Maybe just keep day of wedding coordinating for friends or families a couple times a year instead of quitting your job to become a professional wedding planner. Or photograph for fun without the pressure that it has to pay your rent, even though you're a really good photographer. My aunt loved knitting, and instead of starting a business, she made blankets for the local animal shelter for free whenever she felt like it just for the joy. Make yourself the darling dress that you discovered how to sew without having to make a hundred of them to sell. Give away the pattern for free instead of putting it off until you can figure out how to make money out of it and turning it into this huge project. And remember, the world needs public school teachers. Shout out to my friends Crystal, Richard, and Abby, and nurses. Love you, Brandon and Kellen. We need bankers and pilots, people who work in government and corporations and nonprofits. We can't all be called to making ish on Etsy or the world would kind of fall apart. Like, who's farming the vegetables to keep us all alive? Like, Chris Sewell's from The Bachelor. That's who. So someone should go be his hot farm wife because we need those vegetables. And some of us also need the creative outlets just because. Talents, passions that we do when we feel like it not because we have to. I'm learning French, and it will not make me any more money, though it will make me feel cooler. Absolutement, mon chéri. If you are called to entrepreneurship, guy or girl, I am called to you. This wild ride is totally what I was meant for, and I want to share everything I can to make it easier, less terrifying, more profitable, faster than it was for me. Hence, my free goal-setting workshop this week, my free workshop on gracefully overcoming the most common challenges in business next week, and our brand new Elegant Excellence Mastermind that's accepting applications right now. But 
I also don't want to glamorize it and put it on a pedestal. I would rather sell less classes to the right people and give others permission to let go of a dream that looks shiny but isn't for them. That is just one of the many reasons that I'm far more passionate about the main focus of my company, which is on exploring what makes women feel beautiful, because not everyone is called to entrepreneurship, and I don't want to over-encourage anyone who's not. But everyone desires to feel beautiful and deserves to feel beautiful, to have a beautiful life, to not perhaps be a girl boss, but be the confident, radiant boss of your own life, girl. So here's a quick recap so you can remember which myth you might need to release today. Myth number one, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Truth, it will be a lot of work. Myth number two, cute notebooks. Truth, it's way more about spreadsheets. Myth number three, the joy of working from home. Truth, maybe your commute and office does make you happier. Myth number four, Everyone is doing this. Truth, they're not, and we need people doing other things. Myth number five, not only is everyone doing it, they're making more money than me doing it. Truth, they're probably not. And if you want to be more profitable, you need to learn how. Myth number six, one fill-in-the-blank will change everything. Truth, it probably won't. Prepare for slow and steady wins the race. Finally, myth number seven, I could, therefore I should, and should be ashamed if I'm not. Truth, you don't have to monetize your hobby, and we should all have a creative outlet that is just for joy. Do you have other questions about business? Come join my live classes this week. I always stick around for Q&A, so come hang out with me live this week and next week. And wherever you are headed in your business and life, next Wednesday on the You're Welcome podcast, we're talking about where you want to be five years from now, featuring an unemployed friend with a master's degree, one who won't date actors, and the issue if I'd married the single dad I was dating right before Jeremy. It will all make sense in the moment. Just trust me. You're welcome in advance. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is my water bottle with a straw. I got this for probably 18 bucks on Amazon. And my challenge has been that I am forever not drinking enough water. I used to blame it on my old office because the uh, my office was on the second floor and the bathrooms were on the first or the third. So I'd be like, oh, it takes me so much time to have to like stop in the middle of a meeting, walk all the way to the stairwell, go downstairs, walk to the restroom, back up. And therefore, it was like, that's why I'm not drinking enough water. But lesbianic, it was happening well before then. So I started first telling myself that I would drink more sparkling water. I would have this fancy grapefruit water from our office, and that tastes delicious, and I'm going to drink more of that. So I would grab that from the fridge and take a bunch into my office. But I realized when it comes to sparkling water, I just sip it. You can't really chug a sparkling water. And the reality was flat room temperature water is way easier to drink. But guys, what changed everything was this simple straw. I can't explain it, but I do all of these video meetings 
And I'm always standing looking at my computer as I'm typing. And somehow just the act of not having to avert my eyes and tilt my head to take a sip of water and instead just pulling the little straw right up to my mouth while I can keep eye contact or I can keep reading actually changed everything. In addition to this, I'm not really supposed to be drinking wine or beer as I'm trying to do less sugar and yeast to help heal my gut. So I have also been drinking more water because what I switched to was pouring a whole can of LaCroix into a big wine glass with one giant ice cube and a dose of gin or tequila. And then with the flavored LaCroix, you've already got now your lime or grapefruit or whatever it is. So by taking these two simple tips, you are going to be better hydrated and have a healthier gut while drinking liquor. That, my dear, is beauty with a side of sass. My work here is now done. You're welcome. Oh, goodness, that's not all. Tell him one more thing, Hillary. PPS, this only applies for those of you who do still want to be an entrepreneur after today's episode. Applications for my brand new Elegant Excellence Mastermind, my first new offering in three years, are open right now and closing soon. Head to hillaryrushford.com free and register for either of my live workshops coming up to hear more about it. Or head straight to hillaryrushford.com EEM. That stands for Elegant Excellence Mastermind if you want to apply today. And if you swipe up and there is a description of this podcast on whatever app you're listening to, we've got both those links for you right there. For the hundred or so business owners, male or female, gay or straight, parents or single service or product or brick and mortar business, whoever you are, you are welcome here. And my whole team at Dean Street Society, we cannot wait to be a part of your business and life in this very special way for the next six months and beyond. I cannot wait to read your application and hear your story. So head over and let's get started. Till next Wednesday. 